all, how many thankful for the amazing grace of God this morning? Aren't you? Man, he's done, he's done so much for us. And uh, I'm going to get into the, the message here in just a second. I want to take a, a moment before I do that and just thank some people. Um, I want to thank all of our life team, people who serve week in and week out, who set this. This is your first time coming. This miracle of turning a movie theater into a church happens every Sunday. And, uh, and these people give up a part of their weekend to come here and work and serve all of you. And, uh, <clears throat> and they are excited about it, too. Um, so from our setup team to our worship, didn't our worship department do a great job this morning? They worked really hard on today. Our, our audiovisual audio team in the back, Todd and Dan and uh, Chloe all hanging out back there, making sure the videos fire at the right time and the right words are on the screen. And, and uh, just everybody who's working over in our kids zone right now, um, helping with kids and ministering to them. What an incredible group of people we get to work with. And, and I think we have one of the best teams ever assembled. And it's, it's still growing and getting larger and people keep joining and jumping on board. And, and, uh, and we're so thankful for that. Would, so would you just help me say thank you this morning? Can we give them a hand for... For everything that they, they do, we couldn't have a great Easter without people serving, and, uh, and so I'm, I am really, really thankful for that. Already took a moment to welcome first-time guests, but I just want to say, uh, man, if you're, if you're here for the very first time, we are thrilled that you're here. In fact, we, we kind of have a saying here that the most important person in the room is, is Jesus, but close behind him is, is the guest, and so uh, we're really glad that you're here, and and um, hope that you have a good time. Hope that, that God does something in your life today. I want to invite you back next week um, where we'll be starting a brand new series called Four Cups. Um, and this, this series is all about finding four promises that God has made to each of us and how you can figure out what those promises are and how they apply to your life and start living life with those promises actively at work. And I believe it is life-changing. It's actually... The same four uh, core things that we kind of model our whole church around. And uh, so it's going to be a six-week series. It's going to be a a really powerful series. And there's a book that you can follow along with the series with us on written by Chris Hodges called Four Cups. And just a couple weeks ago, we launched a brand-new online bookstore uh, because you can't set up a bookstore whenever your whole church is in a trailer. And, uh, and so it's, it's actually just Amazon. All right. Amazon has a way for us to put our own storefront together and choose the items we want to sell. We didn't get into it to make money. I think we get uh, 4% or something, but you still pay Amazon prices. So 4% on a $9 book. I'm not a math major, but it's not much. Um, <clears throat> so the, the whole idea was to make the resource available to you. You can go get it at Barnes and Noble or family Christian or any, anywhere you want to go. And pick. So we encourage you to come back, participate in that series with us. Maybe grab the book if you if you've got ten bucks, you can throw at it. Follow along at home, and uh, we think it's going to be a life changing six weeks for everyone who is here, starting next Sunday. So hope that you enjoy today. If you're first time guest, and we hope that you want to come back. I've got one other reason you should come back. We were hoping today would be warmer, and it's not. It's. Uh, it's not warm enough. So <clears throat> here's the teaser. Somewhere over the next two or three weeks, you'll just have to keep coming to figure out which one. When it's warm enough, uh, we, we do this thing around here a few times a year where we just pull an ice cream truck up to the curb 
and we pay a flat, we cover it, it's free, and we play a, a fat, a fat fee. It's a fat, that's, by the time you finish. No, it's, it's, it's free, and it's just, you can go back and get seconds if, if you want to. Uh, if, and uh, so kids love it, and uh, so we'll do it once it warms up. We, we were going to try to do it today. It's just not warm. It's not fun to eat ice cream and shiver. I don't like it. You don't like it. So sometime over the next couple Sundays, that's going to happen, and it's going to be great. All right, let's, let's hop into the message this morning. Really, really excited about speaking to you today about the amazing grace of God. And I've got to start. It's Easter Sunday. It wouldn't be right if we didn't look at this passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. But very early on Sunday morning, the women... And all the ladies said, that's right. Who's getting up early and taking care of business? Ladies, I'm trying to help you out. This is your chance to elbow the man next to you. Very early on Sunday morning, the women, they were the ones up taking care of business, went to the tomb. What tomb? Obviously, this is where Jesus had been laid, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. I don't know why my brain kind of works like cartoons and comic books. And so all of this is funny to me. The ladies running to the tomb, the stones, they walk in, and all of a sudden two guys appear. Like, if two guys appear with me in a small room, I'm running. If they show up out of nowhere, I think you're there to rob me. They didn't. They were scared, though, says the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Good plan. Ah! Play dead. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is, come on, say it, alive in Jesus Christ is alive this morning. They said he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And aren't you thankful for that day? Because that day changed. Listen, this day in history, it, yeah, you can, you can shout for that. It changed everything. It changed everything. The day that Jesus Christ came up out of the grave. And what I want to try to illustrate for you today is that, that that day, that moment, when Jesus came back, is a part of a process that was the greatest act of grace in history. It was the greatest act of grace in history. Today our band opened with that song, Amazing Grace, and I loved it. They did a great job. John Newton, who was a poet, he actually wrote it as a poem first in 1779. He wrote those famous words, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found was blind, but now I see. 1779, he writes those words. And by the early 1800s, it's set to the music that is popular, that we sing it to today. And actually became, it spread like wildfire during what was known then as the second great awakening. Now, there's another word for what the great awakening was today. We would just call that a revival. And all that meant was a season of time where people were coming to Christ like crazy. I mean, the church was exploding and people were giving their hearts to Christ. And there have been three great awakenings throughout history. And I think maybe, maybe, just maybe, 
we could be on the verge of the fourth. I believe it on my heart. We're a part of a church planting movement that just this last year has seen over 626 people give their hearts to Christ on the first day of brand new churches in the United States of America. And uh, we'll, we'll plant 2,000 churches by 2020. Actually, I think we'll far supersede that goal. Um, and um, over, over 30 churches have been planted already in 2014. Brand new churches. And I, so I think I, culture looks bad. Stuff looks bad sometimes. Secularism is rampant. And, and there's some people who want to sound the alarm. And, oh, it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, what do we do? I say Jesus is on the throne. People still need him. He's still the same God who's in love with the people he created and wants to be in relationship with them. And where there are people who will say, I'll show up, I'll serve, I'll be whatever God wants me to be. I'll make church happen in a movie theater. He will respond with a great awakening with people who say, I need Jesus Christ in my life. And so I hope, I hope, man, wouldn't it be cool if we were like on the cutting edge of that happening, on the leading edge of that happening this morning. People come into Christ like crazy. And so now it's Easter. This is the time of year we celebrate that incredible act of grace, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know that song, Amazing Grace, what it's really all about, I think is just about reminding us what our lives were like before and what they would be like without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. What would life be like if that day in the tomb had, so that's the thing that makes Jesus different from everyone else. Every other religious leader that's ever lived is dead. They're dead. But we serve a God where the tomb is empty. Come on, somebody. It's empty. So whatever it is in your life that looks dead, just remember, you serve the God who walks out of graves and can take what looks dead and turn it into your life and turn it into life have you ever found yourself asking i have this question maybe you're there today maybe you maybe you got drugged to church by a family member or a friend and you don't really even know maybe they tricked you they said hey come to a movie theater let's have coffee so you don't really know what how you got here and even that, so you see, you hear that song, amazing. And, and so maybe just all the, this whole God thing and the whole church thing. And maybe you found yourself in a place where I think a lot of people end up. And I've been there at different times in my life where you're kind of sitting there going, what's so amazing about it? It, it just honestly, like my marriage, it's, it's falling apart. My career is at a dead end. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I've, I feel lost. I feel hopeless. I feel broken. I feel empty. And what's so amazing about that? I've been there. I think some of us are probably there this morning. And I even think for for those of us who maybe you've been around church a long time, maybe you've had a relationship with God for a while. We can even find ourselves in a place where uh, you, you remember the old. You remember the old commercials? There are probably some out there now, but I remember one when I was a teenager for this product called New Finish. N-U Finish. Anybody remember that one? All right, and it was this guy, and he would roll into a junkyard and find a car that looked awful. And he would say, see the paint on this car, how bad it is? 
watch this. And he would dump some new finish on it, scrub it a little bit. And all of a sudden, of course, the paint looked like it just rolled off the showroom floor. You know, I think some of us in our, in our walk with God and our faith, we can kind of get to the place where if we haven't kept it healthy or maybe we haven't stayed connected to the right people or maybe life's thrown up some curveballs that we didn't expect. And we, we kind of feel like our faith is sitting in the junkyard rusting. Man, what I hope happens for you today is that you get a fresh revelation of God's grace, that, that, that today is kind of like we just dumped some new finish on your life. And, and I'm a, I, that's what I'm doing today when I'm speaking. I'm, I'm, I'm spitting as well, so that'll help with the process. But is I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm kind of buffing. That's the work that I'm trying to do today. And I hope that we can walk out of here today and we all kind of go have the, the wow factor return when we think about what God did for us. There's really two groups of people that I'm trying to talk to today. And this is not uncommon for me to talk to people who really don't understand the concepts of God's grace and God's mercy because they're connected hand in hand. And if we don't understand it, how can we how can we appreciate how amazing it is? And so today I've been for for longer than a day. It was about 3 months ago that I felt like God laid on my heart to make Easter Sunday all about the amazing grace of God. And uh, I got to be honest with you, man, I've probably studied more for this message than any message I've ever preached in my life. And it's not because I think today is more important. It's because this one was hard. It was hard because I was like, God, that's not really Easter. And he was like, yes, it is. It's exactly what Easter is. And I was like, yeah, but I got to preach resurrection and power and I got to make people shout. And he was like, you preach grace. You preach amazing grace. That's Easter. So there's two groups of people that I've been. I've been praying for you. If this, if you fall in one of these two categories, I've been praying for you for months for this day. Asking God to make sure you're here. Here's the first one. Anyone who hears this message who's never experienced God's grace. You're, you're not in a relationship with him. You've never, you haven't, there's several different names we have for this. You haven't converted. You, you wouldn't call yourself saved. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or that you've been born again and and so, man, it'd be great if you respond to the message today and, and begin a relationship with him. Honestly, if all I do is help move you a little bit closer to that today, then it's a win for us. It's a win for us. And I'm praying you see the message of Christ today with fresh eyes and an open heart. I'm praying for a second group of people today, and that's the one I kind of already alluded to. It's anyone whose relationship with God has kind of lost that polish. It's lost its shine. And I hope today you get the shine back. That you understand what God really did for you. When all of us leave today, I'm praying that the wow factor in God's grace is fresh in our hearts, in our minds. All right, so there's two ways you can follow along today. You can use a phone or an iPad or whatever. You can use the version app because I'm about to jump into the, the notes that you have, or you have some printed pieces of paper. We did a little bit different today because it's a different style message than I normally preach. So you've just got lines where you can write down anything that just kind of stands out to you. A couple blanks that I'm going to have you fill in. But I want to start by giving you just a simple definition that you can remember of God's mercy and God's grace. Because that's really what Easter was all about, was making God's grace available to all of us. So let me give this to you. Here. Let's talk about mercy first. And mercy can simply be defined this way. We're going to put it on the screen. Mercy is God's withholding from us 
what we rightly deserve. It's God withholding from us what we rightly deserve. What, you say, well, what do I deserve? I'm going to get into that in a second, but let me just illustrate it a couple of ways for you. This would be like one of my kids disobeying, which never happens. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Pastor's kids are always angels. What are you talking about? Hey. No, my, my kids actually are wonderful, but, but there's correction that has to happen from time to time. <coughs> Excuse me. Got to love allergy season. Somebody actually wooed that. Shame on you. All right. <coughs> Some of us are suffering today, all right? The record pollen counts. Mercy is God's withholding from us what we rightly deserve. So this would be like one of my kids, my, my son, he's one year old right now. He hadn't quite figured out that no is a word we actually mean. So there are places in our house that he, like our keyboard at our desk in our, in our office, he likes to go up and pull the, the drawer down and pull it out and push the buttons on the keyboard. He can reach just, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. He just knows it's fun. So as soon as he gets over there, we start going, Ben, no, no, that's not for Ben. That's not for you. Don't touch that. And he'll, so he puts his hand on it and say, Ben, no. And he looks, and this is what he does. He goes. <laughs> yeah, no. My daughter's a little older. She knows what no means. So when she does something, we say no. She's so tender-hearted, man. We we barely even have to do anything. Sarah, you weren't supposed to do that. What were you doing? <laughs> so this is this is what mercy. Listen, when my kids do something they're not supposed to, what they deserve is a consequence of some kind. So mercy would be like, like, hey, you really deserve to be punished but I'm going to withhold the punishment that you deserve. And then grace is God's giving to us what we do not deserve. What we do not deserve. Now, I'm going to unpack this a little bit more as we go. But this would be, so, so mercy would be withholding the punishment. Grace would be me saying to my daughter, you know what you did? Yes. Here's some candy. I mean, she, she'd be like, What? But that's what grace is. It's giving something that we don't deserve. Here's a little acronym you can write down if this will help you remember what God's grace is. It's just simply this. The word grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches. I actually hate acronyms. I think they're cheesy, but this one's so good. I had to use it. And some of you are acronym people. I know all you visual writer learner types. So this is for you linear thinkers. God's riches at Christ's expense. So you might be thinking, okay, great. I know what grace is. I know how to define it. I'm, I'm glad you're telling me about that. But what does that have to do with me? How does that help me? I'm glad you asked because that's my whole message. And to get there, I've got to ask you a question. I'm going to create some tension in the room on purpose right now. We're going to put this question on the screen. And what I want you to do is just take a moment, focus in, 
And I want you to try to answer this question for yourself. Here we go. I want you to ask yourself this question. How good do you think you are? How good do you think you are? It's a significant question today for a couple of reasons. The first one is my whole message doesn't work without it. <laughs> but really it's because probably a majority of us in this room are allowing this question to define and control and probably without even knowing it, it's ruining our lives. How good do you think you are? See, most of us are living our lives trying to find our place on a sliding scale between bad and good. In fact, I've got a graphic I want to show you today. Most of us are, are somewhere between good and bad. And depending on how you're wired up, your life is all about trying to figure out, am I good enough or am I bad? In fact, one of the conversations that I have with people all the time when I'm talking about Christ and our need for a Savior is people will say, yeah, but I'm a, I'm a good person. Good try. Good try, everybody. Thought I'd set you up with the, you know, the word on the screen. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good, but I'm a good person. I had a, I was flying back from the art conference uh, down in Jacksonville a couple weeks ago. And I've read in books, pastors talk about this. They say that, you know, when I get on a plane, really all I want to do is kind of veg out, read a book and sleep. But inevitably, God has some appointment for me. And so I was like, I was kind of thinking, yeah, this is great because that hasn't really happened to me yet. And so I, I was good on the first flight out from Jacksonville to Atlanta. Money actually sat next to another pastor who offered to help us with some stuff for free. He was also at the conference. I like free. All right. So second flight, Atlanta to Philly. I sit next to this girl and she sees a book I'm reading. She's like, oh, what's that? So I, I tell her and she's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a, that's the question. That's the question. They get you right there. I'm a pastor. I lead a church. Which usually gets like, a, oh, good luck with that. Or people muster for the most spiritual response. Well, bl bless you. <laughs> well, not this one. This was a, a prof college professor on her way to a conference in Philadelphia. She was from Nebraska, the University of Nebraska. And she said, that's really interesting that you would sit next to me because... I'm kind of more of like an atheist agnostic. I'm not really sure which of those is my category yet. And I just think, like, there's no way that as long as I'm a good person and, and, uh, and I do as much as I can to, to be good while I'm here on earth. And then she started going down this whole Unitarian Universalist trail of, I, like, like, I don't think there's just one way to get to heaven. Like, there might be many paths. And, and of course, I said, well, that okay, I, I, I understand your line of thinking there, but there's a, this whole 
thing that Jesus said about, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. How do you, how do you reconcile that? So for two and a half hours, I got to share the gospel, and it was awesome. I mean, we talked about all the big hot button issues. We, boy, I'm telling you what, man, like I was, I wanted to sleep and thank God the Holy Spirit like came to life and sharpened my mind because I could have, I could have stepped on a lot of landmines during, during that one. And here's how it ended. You know what? We didn't pray together on the plane or anything, although I did say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. This girl had, she had grown up in a Catholic school where it was all about rules and regulations and tradition and it all, it ruined it for her. So she just went as far the opposite direction as she could. So here's how, but here's what happened. She said, get, you know, sometimes I have to come back to Philly for these conferences multiple times a year. And sometimes I get Sunday off and I'm going to rent a car and I'm coming to true life. So y'all be nice if she shows up. All right. Don't ruin it for me. Most of us are on that scale. Bad, good. And here's the problem. Our extreme is, is we're either bad people or good people. Many of us are wearing ourselves out trying to make sure we end up closer to this side than this side. Some of us aren't wearing ourselves out. We're wearing everybody else out. Because we're really good at positioning ourselves where we think is about here and letting everyone else in our life know that they're somewhere over there. And if you're thinking this morning, why am I so lonely and why does this moment feel so awkward? It's because that's you. Stop being mean to everyone. Some of us are just exhausted from the struggle between good and bad. And honestly, you've reached a place where you just don't care anymore. You don't care anymore. And there's a significant problem with living life on this scale between bad and good. And here's what the problem is. Are you ready? This is going to shock some of you. Here's the problem. God. What? I thought he was the answer to every, like, I thought that was the rule at church. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's the right answer to all questions at church. Yeah, but he's He's the problem here. More specifically, God's standard of what is good. Creates a huge problem for us. I love uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's, it's what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's the greatest sermon ever preached in history. Jesus is standing on the mountainside preaching to his followers and this is where he gives us some incredible stuff. This is where we find the B attitudes, which it, there's nothing tricky about. It's the B, it's the kind of attitudes that we should have as Christ followers. This is where he talks about loving each other. This is where he talks about not being judgmental. This is where we find the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All right? Hands down, the best sermon ever preached. Like you could preach... Sermon on the Mount every Sunday, and you'd be a good preacher. You'd do all right. And right in the middle of it, I found this as I was studying for this message. Kind of shocked me a little bit. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus is, he's, he's drawing a comparison between the religious leaders of his time, which had gotten stuck on that whole good, bad thing. And they were trying to make rules and regulations to get people to move towards good instead of being bad. And they were legalistic and it was all about checking off the boxes. And then Jesus drops this bomb. He says, hey, you're not going to be like those guys. You're to be perfect. Even as your father in heaven is perfect. No pressure. Now, and he keeps preaching after this. Like if I'm in that group, I don't hear any of the rest of them. It's a good thing somebody wrote it down. Because I don't hear anything after you're to be perfect. In fact, I'm, if I, I'm like, I can picture one of the guys leaning up. Peter, what? He just say be perfect? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know. I was, I was thinking about that guy's ear I cut off. <laughs> Crazy how he put it back on, isn't it? That was, Peter, have you heard yourself talk? You and perfect. This is a problem. You don't do perfect very well, Peter. You're kind of always making a mess out of everything. I can relate to Peter. <laughs> oh, man. If you, just, if you ever need to laugh, go back and listen to some of our old messages. At least once every other week, I put my foot in my mouth. It's incredibly entertaining. Even more entertaining when I try to extract it. It's awesome. Go listen to the messages online. So far, I'm good today. Stay tuned. Perfect. All right, I'm going to solve that tension in a second. Look at Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God's standard on the scale between bad and good, God's standard is simply this. Todd, you have it? Flawless. Flawless. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a problem for me. F- flaw- flawless. You ever stole anything? You ever lied? You ever cheated on a test? I remember the first time I was, I was with a group of friends. There was a little drugstore, and I grew up in a small town, and so we could ride our bikes or walk to, to Main Street, and there was a little drugstore there. It was called Dryden Drugs, and, and, uh, and we would, we'd love to go up there and just spend, you know, whatever little bit of money, pocket change we had. And so I went in there with a group of friends. That day I didn't have any money. There was some candy I was interested in, though, and so I picked it up with every intention of putting it back. Seriously. I really did. I was just carrying it around. I was hoping to be able to talk one of my friends into buying it for me. We ended up leaving without anybody buying anything, and we were about a block and a half down the road, and one of my friends was like, dude, what's in your hand? And I was like, I grew up in church, man. I I was going to hell right then and there. I mean, I just, I started sweating. I'm like, they're going to find somebody knows. Ah, what do I do? They're like, you're, of course, then it's cool, you know, you, you stole it, man. You're awesome. I had great friends, good influences. And I did what every kid should do the first time you steal something. I ate that candy. It was good too. 
So I know I am not flawless because I'm a candy thief. (laughs) Ever lost your temper? Ever said something you wish you could take back? Ever shown your favorite finger to somebody on the highway? Most of us aren't flawless. In fact, I would argue none of us are. We're all sinners. And the wages of sin is death. So no matter how, no matter how far you think you are on the scale between good and bad, it's not good enough. Because you can never be flawless. But come on somebody, thank God for his amazing grace. Thank God for his grace. The Apostle Paul was writing a letter to a church in Ephesus. And they were having a struggle with this whole good-bad thing. There was a lot of argument. There was a lot of fighting going on in the church. And it was, well, I may be bad, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And and he's, she's worse. And she's doing that. And he's got this problem. And... And then they had the Gentiles back in this time, the Jews and the Gentiles. This was an issue because Jews were circumcised and Gentiles weren't. If you don't know what that is, ask your parents. And there were a group of people in the church at Ephesus who were saying, hey, the the Gentiles, man, unless they get circumcised, they're not really saved. They're not really going to heaven. And so there was this big argument going on. And it was all about who's good enough and who's bad. So Paul writes this letter. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says this. He answers the problem. He fixes the problem. How? With Easter. With Easter. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Once you were a bad person because of your disobedience and your many... Is that... Oh, no, that's, that's what it says. I'm sorry. Once you were marginally good... Once you were, you were pretty much mediocre. No, it's not what he says. What's he say? Once you were what? Dead. Because of your disobedience and your many sins. Well, that's interesting, Paul. You're talking about something different. We're trying to figure out who's good and who's bad. Paul says, no, no, no. Wrong question. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world obeying the devil. Come on, Christians. It, we need to be reminded of that sometimes, that we used to be messed up just like everybody else. Like, it, it, In fact, most of us probably still are. Nobody wants to amen that. The commander of the powers of the unseen world, he's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. Just like everyone else. But check it out. Here's the good news. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ. This is Easter. From the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. I almost lost my place there. 
And check it out. Here's the, here's the, see, when you're moving on the good, bad scale, who gets the credit? You do. I'm good. Look at me. What are you doing here over here? I'm bad. I stink. Who gets the credit here? Salvation. What does he say? God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you cannot take credit for this. It's a gift. From God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. What? It's not a reward for the good? Uh Uh-uh. We're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that because of what he's done inside of us. We can do the good things. He planned for us. Long ago. Here's what I would argue with you this morning. Living life trying to be good. You can't even make it to this side of the scale unless Jesus Christ is working on the inside of you. The good that you want to do, you're not even capable of accomplishing it unless your heart has been transformed by Christ. And so I worked really hard. I'm going to show you a graphic here in just a second that will take us from bad and good to what Paul is teaching us here. And I just want you to be prepared, all right? Because this could be the most life-changing, eye-opening graphic that you have ever seen. Mild sarcasm. All right. Paul says, hey, you guys, you're having this argument about bad, good. It's the wrong question. Go ahead, Todd. You were dead. (laughs) Why? Because of our sin. And our disobedient, go ahead, take it in. That's you without Jesus. Remember the, the, the old frying egg commercial for drugs? This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. I never did drugs. That commercial just made me hungry. But everything makes me hungry. So Paul says good and bad, that's not the argument. It's dead or alive. I don't know. I don't want to be dead. Dude's all emaciated. He hadn't had any food. Somebody cut off his hands and his feet. Probably sold them on the black market. Look, when you're alive, you get your feet back. Some hands, you get a nice little dress. Get some wings and a halo. You even get a nice perm. I worked hard on this. Can you tell? (laughs) Hey, church, the question is not good or bad. The question is alive or dead. And there's no sliding scale. You either have Christ and you're alive or you don't have Christ and you're dead. With your hands chopped off and everything. It's alive versus dead. And when you're alive, then the question becomes about whether or not we're bringing glory to God through the transformation that he's already done inside of us. See, grace is a free gift that brings life, brings life. And I want you to see one of my favorite things about True Life Church is if we did go on the good, bad scale, 
like most of us would probably be on the bad side. It's one of my favorite things about our church is this is a room full of people whose lives are messy. It's messy. But it's okay because of God's grace. And we're going to dim the lights for a second. I want you to check out one of the stories from the past couple of years of someone's life who was transformed by God's grace. Check it out. My life before I met Jesus was broken. It was empty. And it was sad. For me growing up, um, my mom would always say we were a Christian, you know, like we would go to church when we could. And like God really was not a big part of that, you know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think anything of God, you know. I was just like, I didn't think about God at all, actually, you know. What is God, you know? I was just like living life. There was like where alcohol is, you know, kids would just be there and friends were easy. So it's like, why do you need God when you have friends and substances, you know? I kind of just went at things, you know, gung-ho and really recklessly. I didn't care who I hurt. I didn't care what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't really care. That's the main thing. Like, I didn't care. I would just do things. And it didn't matter the cost. It didn't matter at the risk, you know. Nothing really mattered. I could party when I wanted to, you know, I could hang out with guys when I wanted to, and it didn't really occur to me that there is something more, you know. Um, when I, when I first started going to True Life, um, I was really kind of like two-faced in a way, you know, I knew I wanted something more, but I didn't like want to lose what I had. I had this temporary happiness, you know, and it was to the point where I was just, I didn't want to lose that. So I just kept drowning that out with drugs and alcohol and I was going to church, but I was still doing all those those bad things, you know? And I didn't really know love, but I saw what love was every time I went to church. And I really wanted that love, but I just kept drowning it out. Like, I knew everything but, you know? Like, on one hand, I knew lust and I knew idolatry and I knew greed and, and all that negative stuff, you know? But then when I went to church, I saw everyone that, that had that real love, you know, that passion for each other and the, that fire for God. And 
And they really had each other, you know, and I wanted that. And they didn't care, like, who I was, even though, like, I, I felt like they did. Like, I had my own personal convictions every time I was there, and I just felt like I didn't belong. Even though I did, they made me feel so welcome. And like everyone says, you really do belong before you believe. And I think that's what kept bringing me back. Because even though I kept trying to drown out that love and not wanting to lose my temporary happiness for the fear of actually gaining something and, and that fear of, well, what if it doesn't work out, you know? What if I lose all of this and not get what they have? But it doesn't, it doesn't work like that, you know, you learn that. You actually do gain a whole lot more you gain a family and you do get that love, that, that real love. Like, as soon as I started going to church and meeting everyone, they became the family that I never knew and always longed for. And they just filled that void that I always needed. Before Christ, I was lost. I was... greedy. Before Christ, I was selfish. I was uncaring. I was lustful. I was a pothead. And now, I am fully loved. I am saved. I am whole. I am accepted. I have a family. I have purpose. And her name is Jasmine Taylor. Come here, Jasmine. Come on up here. Come on, give it up for her, everybody. So proud of this girl. And, there, you know, there's so much more of the story we couldn't fit into the video. And um, you talk about life change, man. We have witnessed it in this girl's life. And I know we couldn't fit it in the video, so I want to give you a chance. Because there was a, basic, a family in our church that basically has adopted her and gave her a chance to hit reset and have a fresh start. They're not all here today, but anybody in the Riley or Austin clan, would you just stand up right now? Just stand up on your feet. Come on, stand up. And, and here, talk right here. Do you want to say thanks? Thank you guys so much. I love you with all my heart. All right, come on. Give them a hand, everybody. Thank you, Jasmine. And like I said, we ran out of room and now she's like, she's serving. She's over there teaching our kids some Sundays about Christ, sharing with them, bringing life change to, she talked about it. We just couldn't get it all on the tape and about how much fun that is and having found some life and some purpose. Man, that's what God's grace can do to you. It can change everything. We're going to wrap up now. I know it's Easter and lunch is on your mind. Got places to be. Let me just read a scripture to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I'm going to read from the message translation. So this is what I want you to do today. These first few words. Now we look where? Inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. 
is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. How? Easter. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Here's here's what I want you to get today. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? Easter. In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. That's what makes his grace so amazing. It's amazing. I want to give you three steps. Write these down. To experience God's grace in your life. Here they are. Here's the first one. Just real quick. Get honest. Just like that scripture said, look inside. Get honest with yourself and with God. About where you're at. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do this here in just a second. In the condition of your heart. Look inside. You know, there... When it really comes down to it, there's two people who know the condition of your soul. God and you. So look inside. Get honest. Here's the second one. Receive the gift. What gift? God's grace. It is a free gift and it brings life. His grace is available to you today. Stop measuring your life on a scale of good and bad. Start seeing it as I once was lost. I once was blind. I once was dead. But now I'm found. I can see I've found life. Alive. Get honest. Receive the gift. And last, let it shine. Let's get the shine back. Let's work it out this morning. Let's buff out some of the rough spots. Get the shine back this morning. Because His grace really is amazing. And you know what? The whole world needs to see it. We've got to put it on display for everyone to see. I like what Joel, our small group director, he said a couple weeks ago when he was preaching up here. That, is that, you know, people will often say, my faith is just really personal. And you know what it is? It's a very personal thing. But the scriptures tell us that as personal as it is, it was never meant to be private. You got to remember that little song you'd sing when you were a kid. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. Y'all want to sing it, don't you? I can tell. You know, it's not even a, I, I know it, that's how you have to make it a cute song. It's a little light, but it's not a little light, man. It's like a big old high beam spotlight when the grace of God is on your life. It shows up everywhere. So let's let it shine.
I'm going to ask every single person in the room right now to do something with me. In the cup holder next to you is a connection card. Everyone, everyone. I don't care. Lead team, life team, if you've been coming to church here since we started. I don't care who you are. Grab that connection card right now. If you don't have one, I want you to hold your hand up. I know some of you are in seats that didn't get the cup holder stocked. And our team is coming from the back. Because I want everyone to have a connection card right now. Everyone in the room. Just hold your hand up and they will make sure you have one. They'll bring them to you. Keep your hand up until someone gets you a card. Down here, guys, the whole worship team. <coughs> Keep it up until you get a card. This is how we've ended Easter the last two years. It's how we'll probably always end Easter. And let me just say this. I realize that some of you, what I'm about to ask you, you would rather keep it anonymous, and that's okay. So if you'd rather stay anonymous today, don't fill out any of the information on the front of the card. You don't have to. But I am going to ask you to participate in a survey that we're about to take together. So what I want everybody to do is to flip that card over and look at the back where it's completely blank. Because all of us fall into one of four categories today. And what I want you to do in just a second is to find the category that fits you and just write the corresponding letter on the back of the card. And then if you want us to have your contact information along with that, that's totally fine. We're not going to abuse it. I promise you. We're not going to. But if you'd rather stay anonymous, that's okay as well. So here they are. A. I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. I've already received his grace. B, today's the day. By the way, B, that's the group we get really fired up about around here. Today's the day that I want to begin a relationship with Christ. I want this grace, this amazing grace you're talking about. I want that. I need that. C, I'm not going to make a decision today, Michael, but... You got me thinking about it. I'm cons- I'd like to consider it more first. And then D is kind of scary, but the last two years we've had some people write D, and we'd rather just be honest. I'm, I am gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to pray for you if you write D. And we believe that when we pray, God's hand moves. But we want you to be honest. You say, hey, I don't ever intend to make this decision. And every year we gather this survey, it just gives us, helps us have a picture of who attends our church and kind of where we're at. So right now, go ahead and just decide which of those four you are. And would you just write it on the back of your connection card? A, B, C, or D. And if you're writing B, I want to make an appeal to you. Please give us your contact info, at least an email address. We want to send you some instructions on how to get off to a good start in your walk with God. We won't stalk you. We won't pressure you. We won't abuse your information. Just want to send you some info. A, B, C, or D. And if, if, if you finished, would you just bow your head for, in prayer? Once you finish, that, that'll just be the way, my way of knowing you're done. Once you've wrote A, B, C, or D, in a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to give an offering. And I'm just going to ask you to drop this.